Hi, and welcome to The Week Ahead. I'm Tony Nash. Uh, today, we're joined by Tracy Schuchart, Sam Rhines, and Albert Marco. We're always joined by those guys. But uh, before we get started, I'd like to ask you to like and subscribe. I uh, really appreciate it. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, it's been a very interesting week, guys. We have a few key themes. First of all, what the F just happened? F is for Fed. Uh, then we're looking at what the F is next. So that F also is for Fed. And then uh, we really want to look at some energy stuff. Why does energy seem to be range bound? And I think that'll be a really interesting discussion. So um, Sam and Albert kind of Talk us through what the F just happened. Um, we said this would be the most dovish 50 basis point move in the history of the Fed, and it was. And here we are at the end of the week, and things don't look so good. So, so what happened? Well, you know, was it a dovish Fed? Not really. I mean, it was pretty hawkish, but it was already priced in. Everyone knows it was going to be 50 yep. basis points, and everyone knows they were going to talk about, you know, all these hawkish words, but then Powell comes out and throws in a little sprinkle of dovishness in there. And then the market took, took it off, took off with it. You know, I think what we rally like 3% crazy, yeah. crazy. One day. Half a day. Yeah. However, from what my guys told me, a lot of that was because traders were loading up on spy calls and ES futures and just gamma squeezed it. It was really easy. The market's kind of illiquid right now. Um, that actually agitated the fed because they didn't want this thing to rally and they came back and, just torched everybody the next day. I was like 4% down. Yep. I mean, just st stunning, absolutely stunning uh, price action that we're seeing right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's just not tradable. I mean, you're in this market and you're swinging a hundred points up and down each way every couple hours. It's just, it's just not tradable right now. Um, oh, Albert you know, brings up a very good point. The, the thing is these swings that we're seeing in energy and also in equities, these swings are untradeable, right? So um, that is very, very cognizant point that you have brought up. Yeah. Agreed. Sam, I mean, the, the interesting thing to me with, with the whole thing was how quickly you went up, how quickly you went down yeah. to follow it up, not just in, you know, uh, not just in ES and, you know, S&P, but I mean, the dollar got trounced Yep. Uh, following the Fed and, you know, finished flat, basically, um, to pre-Fed uh, to finish up the week. You had the two-year absolutely plummet and, you know, make a little bit of a comeback, but it, it generally actually stayed lower following the Fed minutes. But these were huge moves. I mean, across the board, it didn't matter what asset class you were trying to hide in besides maybe energy. It didn't matter where you were hiding it. You were just getting you were just getting whipped, and there was there was very little tradability across the board in it. Uh, period. So it was it, it was pretty interesting. Also to hear um, you know several Fed speakers today. I think there were five or six of them uh, come out and were generally hawkish across the board. I mean, you had one non-voter Barkin uh, talking about a you know you know putting 75 back on the table i mean it's ridiculous powell just absolutely said no to 75 and then you have right you know you did then you have fed officials coming back with you know maybe you know i haven't taken 75 off the table i mean not that barking matters but he, right he tried to put it back on the table I, I, well their their communications are a mess the interesting part for me about wednesday was yellen came out first 
saying, no, no, it's all good. Nothing to see here. You know, there's going to be no recession. Fed's going to be able to manage it, everything else. To me, that was the real tell, right? That he was going to be fairly gentle. Of course, it was a 50 basis point hike, but it was a fairly gentle 50 basis point hike. And he was going to stave off the 75 basis point talk. Um, but then today we see these guys come out being fairly hawkish. So um, I, I want to, we'll get into kind of what's next in, in a couple of minutes, but I want to ask about a couple of things. Um, uh, Powell, he talks, man. He is not the Greenspan kind of mysterious guy. And his talking seems to get him in trouble. So some of the, one of the things that he said on Wednesday that really caught me was he said, and looking at my notes, he said, a normal economic person probably doesn't have that much to spend when he was talking about inflation, that much extra to spend, sorry. But he actually let the words normal economic person pass his lips. And words like that, language like that makes American people feel like it's the government, this gilded government employee who inflation doesn't touch versus kind of the American people. Is, What's like? What's wrong with those guys? Why are they using that language? They they want to. I mean, in my opinion, they want to crush excess money, and they're doing it. They're doing just that. These wild swings, you know, inner week are just. They're, it's meant to just erase money from the system. And you know, you know, Powell Powell's an attorney. He's not really an economic guy. Um, but attorneys should know words. Yeah. Well, he doesn't. You know, he's he's flustered. He's flustered. There's so much stuff going on behind the right. scenes. That he's flustered. And really, I mean, it's I don't really even think that, you know, Jerome Powell is even in control of things. I think more line is uh, uh, Auntie Yellen. Yeah. You know, I think she's the, she's the mastermind behind this dollar rise. I know she is. In fact, I have had discussions about it. She's the she's the mastermind of pushing this thing past 110. She's the mastermind about getting capital to force it back into the U.S. equities. She's the one doing all this. Right. You know, and, and you know, Powell might be fighting it. But this is you know, I've talked about this many times is you have this disjointed policy between what the Fed wants to do yeah. and Powell and what Yellen's doing. So this is right. what I see is going on. Sam? Yeah, and I just don't, to your point, I think that their communications generally are a nightmare. I mean, they're yeah. not doing a phenomenal job of telling people anything, right? Yeah. You had... I mean, it was it was such it was such a disastrous week. You had quarrels out early in the week talking about how because, you know, uh, Biden hadn't nominated you know, Powell to come back to the Fed, that that was one of the reasons why they were behind the curve, which is, a, you know, sorry, sorry, Randy, but that's a ridiculous statement. I mean, <laughs> everybody knew. I mean, it was the betting odds never really broke through 70 that Powell was going to be renominated. I mean, let's be honest, he was always going to be renominated. That's not yeah, that difficult. Sam, you bring up an interesting point, Sam, and kind of a signal is will Powell actually get confirmed? And is Randy and those guys, because hey, Randy's conservative, I believe. Yes. You know, yeah. So are they trying to defend or trying to like upstage Biden and possibly not getting uh, Powell confirmed? Well, it's interesting because you would think that Quarles would want Powell confirmed because Powell is, you know, he's fairly conservative in mindset relative to some of the other people that could be yeah, nominated. Middle, middle ground, too, I would say. Yeah, a decent middle ground. And, you know, the, you know, the most likely after that, it's going to be Brainerd. Right. And yeah, I don't no, think no, I, I don't no. think Quarles wants to mastermind getting Brainerd in there. No, no, no. I, I'm saying that Quarles is trying to get ahead of the trying to get ahead of the game here, uh, thinking that, you know, Powell might be ousted. 
Oh yeah, maybe, maybe. I also think that there's a, there's an awful lot of people once they you know get out of the Fed and they see that they're part of the decision making that got us to the current inflationary environment and current problems. You know, there's a little bit of face save when it comes to hey, look, it, we wouldn't actually be here if they had done their job. You know, it wasn't really us. It was. Right. You know, it was this lack of nomination. So generally, then you get into, you know, the FOMC meeting, the after, uh, the after presser, the call it the kerfuffles that he makes constantly during it, during it. Uh, then you get to the Fed speakers after it, right? The worst part about the FOMC meeting is not the FOMC me- meeting. It's that the blackout ends. I mean, let's be honest. Then we have to listen to him for another three weeks before the blackout comes. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. And that's then the normal yeah. economic people do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like buy stuff and actually you know, <laughs> exactly. contribute to the economy instead of just yep. blustering about 75 basis points. Right. Exactly. Okay. Um, before we get to 75 basis points, uh, Sam, can you walk us through what's happening in the TLT market? Uh, because it's falling off a cliff. Uh, a month ago, is it like 140? Now it's at like 118. So what's happening there? Because I, I'm hearing a lot of chatter about that. Yeah, I mean it's it's the it's the tracker for the twenty plus year U.S. Treasury note. I mean, when yields rise, the thing's going to get trounced, right? I mean, that's that's pretty easy. The easiest way to underperform the S and P this year has been to buy TLT. Uh, that's just been that bad. I think it's down twenty one or twenty two percent as of the close today. That's a pretty devastating bond move, right, for portfolios when bonds were supposed to be the safe asset. Uh, generally, it's liquid. Right. You, you can yep. buy and sell TLT all day long and, you know, you can short it. You can you can you know, you can do some stuff. So it's a fairly easy way to for particularly uh, investment advisors and other smaller players that are running separately managed accounts to get in and out of fixed income exposure uh, quickly and be able to move their portfolio duration pretty dramatically, pretty quickly. Uh, so it's, it's a it's a trading toy. And so when you need liquidity and you're not going to sell individual bonds, that's going to be generally fairly illiquid and you get some pretty big spreads there. You're not going to sell those bonds. You're going to sell TLT instead. So are TLT markets telling us that they expect um, tightening to accelerate? Is that what's what's being communicated to us? Or is it just? Uh, no. So I would, I would actually take the, the other side of that. And I think it kind of goes to Albert's point last week is, you know, long and longer, long end yields don't rise if the markets are expecting a tighter, faster Fed, right? That would be, yeah. that would be, a rep- that would be a recipe for disaster recession being pulled in towards us, not pushed out. Uh, so a Fed that's expected to do 50 basis point hikes instead of potentially 75, QT was a little bit, QT was basically what was thought even a little slower um, to phase in. It, it, you know, yields could be telling us a number of things, but one, of, but one of them is not that the Fed is tightening faster. Okay, this is this is the problem. This is the problem, right? This is what like I, this is something that nobody's really talking about. Is the Fed is trying to create this narrative with with you know long bond and whatnot that we're going to tighten, we're going to tighten, we're going to tighten. However, the market is still red hot. I mean, even like credit uh, consumer credit today was outrageous. Well, yeah. did you see that? That I was mean, insane. I, I, I was talking to my client today and we're looking at re- shorting retail and whatnot. And I said, we cannot short retail. And he was like, well, why? I just walked into Gucci and it was a ro- velvet rope with a line of 100 people trying to get in there. And none of them make more than $50,000 a, a, a year, just buying stuff left and right. You know, how, like, it's like, well, the Fed is trying to say we're tightening, but it, the market's red hot right now. Mm. 
fascinating. I have no pushback to that whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> the, 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 cons, the, consumer, the consumer numbers today were stupid. I mean, oh, 50 plus billion. Uh, that, was, that was a silly number. That was a oh. silly, silly number. Okay, double so on that, the expectation. So double on that, that's a great. That's a great segue to what the f is next, right? What's the Fed going to do next? Because if consumer credit is still expanding, it's you know really, really fast. How do they slow it down? Is seventy five basis points are realistic? I I know he no. said no. No, I mean, is that? No. But then why no. do we keep hearing about no. this? So we every week, everyone bullard. thinks they're a genius saying seventy five basis to points. Happen. No. What, mean, then why are all these geniuses saying 75 basis points? I, I haven't market, seen a single genius. Because the market is pricing that. <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to come to fruition. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's James Bullard basically planting that seed. And as you know, there's one several. Fed. Yeah, one Fed. And then Barkin picked up on it and said, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, it's two people that if you still listen to Bullard and Barkin, I mean, I'm sorry, but you're going to lose money. Bullard was great like 10 years ago, right? Oh. Yeah, but see, Tony, they're trying, to, they're, trying to, they're trying to sway less than intelligent traders to, to believe that, you know, it's coming, maybe sway some money that way. It's just, it's, uh, you know that? The only reason I'm saying it is because I want everyone watching to know that. <laughs> they, they are lying to you. Yep. Okay. They are lying. What he said. Right. Okay. So, so, so the, the expectation is that what the F is next is kind of staying disciplined, 50 basis points in the next meeting, and maybe QT accelerates slightly. Is that kind of what we expect to happen next? I, I, I think it's, yeah, I would say 50 bips, but I don't think you even have to accelerate QT, right? I okay. think. It's and very difficult great. to accelerate. I think that it's this market is going to scare that. them and that what is going to happen is they're going to be another 50 for sure, but they're going to be even more dovish than they were this last time. Okay. No. Yeah, I just, I, I actually great. want to take a contrarian view. I think they're going to do 50 bips for sure, I mean, without question, but I think they're going to have to accelerate tightening just to, just to scare the market a little bit, for God's sakes, yeah. you know, because especially if they want to acceleration timeline, I mean, you could barely take a magnifying glass to it, right? So you're talking about, uh, you know, almost $9 trillion going down to maybe 0.5. I mean, can you really see that on a no, but I mean, what, but they're also going to be using the dollar. I mean, they might even take the dollar to 115 or 120, for God's sakes. I know, which, which is a which completely is it breaks everything <laughs> yeah. yes well, not yeah. only does it break breaks it, emerging markets breaks any, commodities any qt that they have it's the has the exact opposite effect so they're not stupid like they know that um policy monetary policy that they're doing right now may break the market but they're going to ensure that yeah but they want they want to do qe it's later in the year they oh, want to be able to do it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I saw an interesting uh, discussion on social media this week about um, what's the worst central bank to be a part of right now. And I think it was easily the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, right? Which <laughs> with everything terrible happening in China, but they have to match what the U.S. is doing. It's just a very difficult to, place to be in. So, you know, I think, um, you know, even as we talk about what is the Fed going to do next, 
there are some central banks out there that are just in a, in a terrible place and raising you know the dollar at 110 115 120 would absolutely break some of these central banks and, and put in a very terrible position yeah but tony you know the chinese they're very pragmatic in that respect with that respect they're waiting to see what the fed does and they'll react they are for sure going to stimulate their economy this year oh, that, they is, mean, that is they've already that announced is, a bi- they they've already announced so much stimulus it's ridiculous the market hasn't particularly reacted at this point as far as the yeah. commodities sector is concerned but Literally, they have so much. If if you look at what they have said, they have so much stimulus on the line as far as uh, infrastructure and whatever, because they do not want. They want. They are determined <clears throat> to have their five point five percent GDP by the end of year twenty twenty two, right? Yeah. And well, they'll hit that no matter what. Of oh, yeah. course, they'll hit it. But <laughs> yeah, but, they can, they can, you know, Tony, they can, you know, you know, Tony, you've, you've been to my China. point is, is that what they're doing is that they were, they've already announced so much stimulus. Mark is not, not looking at right now, right? Or the uh, North American markets are looking at right, right now. But I promise you. Yeah, but, yeah, but Tracy, also you got to remember that the SEC started coming out with delisting threats yeah. all over the yeah. place. They added 80 more companies to the delisting threat. That's and actually what's toned down. I, I'm not saying I would invest in Chinese companies. What I'm saying is I would invest no, no. in Oh, I know. But when you say that the market hasn't reacted, that's a lot a lot to do with it. Is like these delisting things have uh, really scared investors away from them. What China needs is dump truck and helicopter loads of cash on the Bund, like tomorrow. <laughs> and I think but they- to hit 5.5, they're going to have to do that in every major town. They're going to have to unleash dump truck loads of cash. The infrastructure they've announced is going to be close to what years. they need to hit that. Sorry? They haven't hit 5.5 in years, let's be honest. No, and they have it's a their made up number. Right. But in order to, yes, hit the, your completely correct <clears throat> yeah they've got to do it and and they'll end up canceling the, the uh, unofficially they'll give debt jubilees all that kind of stuff like they they'll do all of this unofficially but it's to let people reload so they can spend more money they'll do all of this stuff um starting a, as soon as they rip the band-aid off of the lockdown that's why we're just, seeing a deval in the, right in the currency right now right right which which we talked about for months and months, and I'm, I'm so glad that it's happened. Okay, let's move to energy, guys. Um, and Tracy, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, about energy being kind of range-bound. So I've got NatGas and WTI on screen. We've seen NatGas really come down hard over the past couple of days. Um, can you tell us what's going on there? Because it's performed really well over the past month, except for that little period. So what's going on with NatGas? And uh, what's going on uh, with WTI? Is it really range bound? I mean, it is range bound. What we're seeing is that, you know, we're seeing, although it's a larger range, right? Like we're seeing 10, $15 ranges in WTI. Um, What we are seeing is, is that if you look at a daily or weekly chart, you're seeing that range is uh, coming down, right? Okay. And that's to be expected. Like one thing yeah. that the market did was that they um, increased um, they increased the uh, margins. Thank you. Yeah. 
<laughs> increased margins. All right, so that put a lot of uh, retail traders out of the market. That said, if we look at the recent um, OI, OI has actually increased daily all this week. So it looks like, and we can't tell at this point whether it's retail traders or institutional traders, but OI has increased this week in um, in that sector across, you know, gasoline. Yes, speaking oil. of gasoline, you know, I've, I'm looking at diesel and gasoline crack. I mean, you're looking at I think you're looking at shortages coming in the summertime. I mean, those things look look to get explosive. And then, I've been then you're talking about this for two months now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I texted you two months ago and said, "Get long diesel." Yeah, and then the the, now that now lies in the EU, right? And they are going to see shortages. This is going yep. to affect their overall GDP. We're going to see less transportation. We're going to see less manufacturing. We're going to see because they can't handle these prices. That said, if you're an investor, you're going to look at um, the refiners mm. right now that are refining these because the crack spreads are increasing exponentially. So mm -hmm. um, if you want to invest in this sector, I think you would be looking at refiners right now that specifically are involved in distillates. Interesting. Great. Perfect. All right, great. So guys, what are we looking at for the week ahead? What's on your mind, Albert? Definitely not shorting retail. <laughs> Definitely not shorting retail. I'm like, just can't, you have to take that off till at least June. But um, honestly, uh, the Roe versus Wade, the political atmosphere right now, and how that's going to affect the congressional races, not so much the House, because the House is set for the GOP, but possibly the Senate. And why I even bring that up is because now those economic bills going through Congress, you know, they start getting affected. And the investors started even calling me to, to try to figure out what's, you know, what, what's the makeup of Congress. And I think that's what I'm going to actually start paying attention to, because, you know, the beginning of next year, we're going to need stimulus the way this, this economy is going. So I, I'm, I'm taking a look at, you know, what committees are going to, what the makeup of the committees are going to be, what, what possible stimulus packages will be, uh, will be materializing. The auto sector, for God's sakes, it's completely trashed. Uh, I think that's on life support and it's definitely going to need some help. I'm actually looking for auto sector plays for long term, you know, 24 months out. Okay. Sam, what's on your mind? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be paying pretty close attention to where the dollar heads, uh, particularly vis-a-vis our earlier conversation on the renminbi and uh, in the end, following uh, the Fed this week, and then listening to how other central banks begin to uh, form a narrative around their next moves based on the Fed, right? That, that in particular, Latin America is going to be very interesting, uh, given some of the inflation pressures down there and the, you know, the push and pull of someplace like Brazil, where commodities are both good and bad for an economy, or Argentina, good and bad for an economy. Uh, export a lot of food, but import a lot of energy, even though you have the Vaca Muerta, psychotic, that's pretty poorly run. Anyway, um, that, that to me is going to be one of the really interesting stories of the next couple of weeks given the Fed, right? The, the Fed moving quickly, beginning to um, do some quantitative tightening. You know, generally that would, you know, your number one 
uh, method of affecting markets is through the dollar um, yeah. on both of those. So I, I just want to see what the dollar does and follow the dollar and you know, not fight that tape. Yep. Yep. Very good. Tracy, what's on your mind for next week? I'm going to be concentrating actually on the yuan at this juncture. I want to see how much are they going to actually devalue their currency because I think that's a sign of how desperate they are to bolster the domestic economy. Yep. Um, so I think that's, that's where my, uh, my main focus is, right? So post-Fed, your eyes are on China. Commodities, but I mean, you have to realize what happens is that people don't really talk about is that um, why does China devalue the currency? They devalue the currency so that exports become cheaper and, and more competitive. In turn, that makes imports more expensive. Mm-hmm. Why does that help the... Uh, domestic economy, that means that people are not, people in China are not buying imports. They'd rather buy from domestic businesses, which which bolsters their economy. So right now, I think that's a very good, or I think that's one of the most important things to be looking at right now is to see how much are they going, like how desperate are they it's a great, that's a great observation and something that I watch every day. And I'll tell you, they're very desperate. <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't mean to laugh at it. I, I, I feel really empathetic for uh, the people in China, but they're very desperate. So I would watch for some, some moves that are, uh, I would say, um, that try to appear disciplined uh, because they don't want to look desperate, but in mm-hmm. fact, they're desperate to get their economy moving because of these lockdowns. So I think the first sign of that would have to be starting to see a lifting of the lockdowns, like a legitimate lifting of the lockdowns and not moving into more towns like they did in Beijing over the past couple of weeks. Um, But really, really legitimately taking these lockdowns off and free movement, uh, looking at things like uh, the port zone, uh, in Shanghai and how many people are allowed to work in those bonded warehouses, those sorts of things to get that port activity moving. Um, as we look at those indicators, um, we'll know how, uh, how serious the Chinese government is about getting back to work. Uh, if they don't do it, they're not serious. And if they're not serious, they're going to have some real trouble. I'm not a gloom and doom kind of China's going to have a coup or anything type of guy, but I do think that they're going to have some real trouble. They want everyone to be happy and harmonious going into the National Party meeting in June. I mean, sorry, in November. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's going to be some some runway needed to get everybody happy. And by everybody meeting everybody being happy, I mean all of those CCP guys in Gansu and in you know all the different provinces. They have to be happy coming into that Congress um, because if they're not, then then Xi Jinping has some some real problems. Serious problems. Yep. Okay, guys. Hey, thanks very much. I really appreciate this. Have a great week ahead and have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony.